Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Marvel Cinematic University, the podcast where we go through the Marvel Cinematic Universe, that's movies, TV shows, and talk about everything going on. I'm your host this week, Jay Christie, filling in for AC, uh, who is on the pod, but he uh, is unable to host for reasons that will become apparent. Uh, but like I said, I mentioned, I, I am joined by AC, Anthony Canton III. Anthony, how are you? Good evening, Jake. I'm happy to be here, and thank you for taking over. I, I do have a, a little man next to me, so just in case this, this goes off the rails for me, mm-hmm. appreciate you hosting. Oh, it's my pleasure. And uh, Jerome Chang, uh, you know, DMP, CD, no, he was D- DMP, he's on the bench this it's week. on assignment. Yeah, he's on assignment, <laughs> um, but uh, filling in uh, someone who, you know, we love to have on the pod, a friend of the show, you know her, Shivani Banfall. Shiv, how are you? I'm great. Excited to be here. Yes, and we had to bring in uh, Shiv for Hawkeye because, you know, she's got the bone arrow. She's, you know, she was our Clint Barton in our table read. You know, she's she's got the character in her blood. And so that makes me, before we get to the specific right. episode, um, we haven't had you on to talk about Hawkeye. How have you felt about the series thus far? So I wasn't, okay, first off, I now actually very much enjoy being the Hawkeye on our, you know, live table reads. <laughs> Um, thanks to the show, but I, when I originally wasn't really down for the show. I was like, okay, I'll watch it when it all like drops and mm-hmm. it's nothing that important. And then, um, had a Sunday where I needed to watch something and I was like, all right, let me dive into this. And you know, I really got into it. I'm loving the show so far. It's a, it's a great, um, it's a great introduction to Kate Bishop and just, I don't know. I'm starting to un- like to kind of like Jeremy Renner. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think the thing about the show is I think that people who only know him as Hawkeye don't really think he can act. And I understand why people would think that given some of his stuff in the MCU. But it is whole body work. Like Jeremy Renner, let's say Jeremy Renner wasn't cast in all the big things he was cast in by accident. Like he has given a lot of really good performances in his career. And I think that this plays into his strength a lot more than the rest of the stuff. I think that the one moment, he's obviously his best moment probably in the MCU beforehand is the classic bit in Ultron with the, and the city is flying and I have a bow and arrow thing. And I feel like this show is kind of just like, that's the root of the character is that he is completely unpretentious and is kind of aware of it and feels a little over in his head, but also is kind of just like a guy getting on that it's a job, you know, that type of guy. Um, no, Totally. Um, I mean, I've learned as someone who's read the script and seen how many lines Jeremy Renner actually has that, you know, this is giving him more lines yeah. and more. But like, he does have more in Ultron. I forgot. <laughs> I honestly forgot how much of the movie he's a mindless killer. And as the table was going on, it's like, oh, my God, I feel so shiv. We fucked her over. We didn't give her any lines. But no. Uh, yeah, I think that that. Yeah, he, just, he doesn't say much. And yeah, I, I like this the show too because it's it, he kind of is playing it like a guy who normally is not at the center of the frame, so he doesn't have to say much. But now he is, so he does have to say a lot. But it's so wild because I now, I, even just after the table read and just from this show, I I actually really relate to Haw- and just from mm-hmm. comics too, relate to Hawkeye as a character, just mm-hmm. and the different like. Uh, sides that you get to see from Hawkeye mm-hmm. and it's kind of weird because it's like Kate Bishop and Clint Barton like I'm somewhere in between in my head mm-hmm. I don't, yeah. uh... <laughs> no I honestly I think that that is I completely understand what you mean um I, yeah I think that the just ha- like I said I think that it's interesting to have a character that is decidedly not the center of the frame often by their own choice 
and to have them put it center of the frame and not pretend like they're comfortable with it. Like, he is not very happy. Hawkeye is not very happy that he has his own Disney Plus series. He would prefer he didn't. <laughs> um, but yeah, AC, any thoughts on that, uh, on how they've, mm-hmm. you know, made a character like this into an interesting leading character? Yeah, I think I think one of the things that they've done really well is just gradually build up the character work here. I, I, it's It's funny to see how it started in the first episode and where we are, where they're hitting certain points, the PTSD. And I think uh, Shiv made a good point there as far as when we think about Clint Barton and being uh, being able to relate to him as far as that's concerned, just the, in, in, in a slight way, not, not in like they're throwing it in your face, but I think the mental health aspect is something that's worth taking a look at when it comes to this character. This character, lost his family before uh the before end game we see the snap and everything that happened after that and yes as we've talked about on this show you can get into the moralities of what he did as ronin but then coming back and tasha getting him back and trying to give him some type of redemption only for him to lose natasha and then even seeing him with his family in this show He's still, in a lot of ways, so alone. Yeah, is it, there's a loneliness to him, and and as we'll get into in this episode, it was interesting to see Kate try and draw him back to humanity, yeah. and and dealing with the juxtaposition of what that is, I think has been really fascinating for this show. So I I give a lot of credit to not only the showrunners and the writers for what they're doing here so far with Hawkeye because they're doing it simple yet. Have making it have an impact for us to care about him. Yeah, I I think that um, we'll get to when we get to the scene, but I think the way that he conceives of himself as a weapon is, I think, a thing that really unlocks a lot of even his previous behavior. Because um, I think that Captain America talks all the time about, oh, we're I'm a soldier, you know, whatever. But like, he's not really he's not actually a mo- what the modern convention of a soldier is. Because the modern convention of a soldier doesn't have ideas about anything. They're just supposed to be mindless and shoot wherever someone tells them to. And I think that. Clint, like how Black Widow had to reckon with her life being a super a spy that killed people and then became a hero, his journey's not that much different. It's like, I do love the way he put it, where it's like, I didn't change, I just was put pointed by good people, you know? And I don't think that that's necessarily, I think the show probably is going to explore how that's not fully true, that he actually has changed in certain ways. But I think it's really, really interesting to see someone who we see as a hero be like, I'm actually not a hero at all, my circumstances just changed, that's your mistake of thinking that. I think that that was, we'll get to it, because uh, I think that that scene was really great, and it's what I've been waiting for in the show. But we don't start off with that. We start off in the uh, nicest New York City apartment I've ever seen. Uh, as I joked about before, I didn't. I have friends from NYU who were rich and lived in the city, but not rich enough, because I definitely have not seen that. Uh, but we see who is holding that blade, and of course, it was uh, AC's man, Tony Dalton, Jack, um, mustache as freaking styled as ever. Uh, and he's holding uh, Clint at sword point. And uh, I thought that it was very interesting how this diffused. Because you almost expected that this... Cl- they Im- almost basically immediately diffused the cliffhanger. You almost thought the first episode... Then this, this episode would start off with a fight scene, you know? But um, uh, AC, how do you feel like that reveal? Because obviously you're, you put a lot of stock into that going forward. How do you feel like that panned out? Well... I think what I loved, even though we haven't got the nature of Jack and Clint's relationship yet, is I really like 
the way that they presented it, because in the way that they talk, the way that they talk to each other and the way that they don't talk to each mm -hmm. other, because you could see it in the nonverbals as they're trading the conversation and Eleanor is asking why is Kate going on her work computer and all that other stuff. And as you see uh, just little stuff um, that Jack does that's in his character, like he calls him Archer mm -hmm. instead of calling him Hawkeye. The phrases that I'm sure that we'll get to that he uses with Eleanor and Kate that he botches the um, analogies and stuff like that. And that's just another that's just another example of very curious to see. And I know some people are not exactly too thrilled with because they want to know what Jack is up to already. But I don't mind it when you have an actor like Tony Dalton doing it in a, in the way that he's doing it with not uh, so only the non There's like 90 minutes left of the show. There's a whole fucking movie left of the show. I know. Like, what, what do you mean? He you're has like, yeah. so much personality. <laughs> yeah. and, that's why, and that's why when he was casted for this show and seeing Better Call Saul and how he acted as Lalo Salamanca, it's like I already knew he was going to bring this type of energy to the show. And I just love that that has continued and just crackles and pops on the screen, whether it's with... Renner or especially Vera Farmiga, they have some really, really fun scenes and good chemistry yeah. too. And I'm gonna toss over shift, but I just want to point out, I, I actually didn't realize it until you were just saying it. And I swear I've not watched the show in decades, but what his whole shake of how he talks reminds me of is, do you guys remember the old Family Guy bit of the two guys who are foreign who just almost sound like they're American? Where it's like, yeah, I went to a bar and I got a, a pint that was $3.40. You know, like that where it's just like slightly offers like, because uh, I almost he's definitely hiding something and I think he definitely gets a past where like you know he's got something where he's just not quite there's a reason why he's not quite fitting in with all the things you know this this upper crust of society but uh yeah Shiv, how did you feel like that went down the, both their exchanges and I I personally was most drawn to the stuff with uh with Eleanor and Kate that their dynamic at the table but how what did what did you get out of that scene that table scene was, it was great because you can, it's like a power move, right? You see Vera just like, I don't know. Vera is in everything that she's in. She's just so powerful and scene commanding. And um, it's kind of been interesting because I actually don't think she necessarily is that um, in this show. I think like Haley really holds up those scenes more than anyone. Yeah. Um, and... Um, it's interesting to see that because you, like you guys have said, like with Tony and with Vera and even, um, with Jeremy like, they're the seasoned actors yeah. that have like a lot more behind them. But I feel like Haley just steals every single scene, um, with them. And I really just loved the back and forth. And then the whole bits of like, this is my partner. Mm -hmm. Um, and just, you also just Jeremy Renner and Haley Steinfeld are just, they're perfect um they're perfectly chaotic together yeah and it's yes. it's so mm -hmm. fun to watch you know damn well that in like three months my youtube recommended is going to have something saying clint and kate being a chaotic duo for three minutes and 27 <laughs> seconds i those videos are always recommended to me i never watch them but uh and so yeah i think that white side about for me i think is true and i but i think the thing is i think that there's gonna be something coming that really lets her be via for me because i forget what there's definitely there's some uh ringer podcast where chris ryan once said that like she's in there was talking about a role that she was up for and it's like she's in inherently incapable of playing just a normal woman and like she oh there's oh, always really? something a little odd about her yeah. and i think in the movies that she's asked to play a certain normal woman i'm specifically thinking of up in the air uh and the departed particularly where she's supposed to be like a normal therapist but like she's not a normal therapist at all she's playing via farmiga you know what i mean that like you I mean, kind of like 
Yeah, I mean, I watched her in Bates Hotel. Well, I mean, she... that, yeah, she's not even pretending to be a normal person in that. Yeah. <laughs> even up in, the, well, was it up in the air? That That's what I just said. Yeah, that, like, you're yeah. supposed to just think that she's a spoiler. Like, the entire time, you're like, there's something a little off about this. And right. I don't want to spoil up in the air, but there's something a little off about her character. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, I think that that's, I think, and also I think the thing too is I think a lot of times with, um, with the way TV is now where it's super twist heavy, I think that people are immediately mad whenever they feel like they could see a twist coming. That like obviously, obviously Jack's involved with something, but I think most people at this point are caught up that there's something going on with Eleanor in some way, shape, or form. But I also don't think that that's an accident. I think that they're kind of telegraphing that in a lot of ways. Um, and I think that that's what that tells me is that there's probably another twist coming on top of that. But um, I just wanted to address that because I feel like there definitely is a culture of like, uh, oh my God, I already know she's going to be bad. This show sucks. And it's like, no, they know that you know she's going to be bad. You know, they're not that right. bad. So, yeah. and, and sometimes it, it ends up being that way where where shows do that. It's not like WandaVision where there was some intricate way mm-hmm. and plot of yeah. how this story, and obviously mm-hmm. it was a unique w- way of storytelling. Yeah. So that was completely different. This feels like, from the cliche of Kate being the hero who just wants to get involved at all costs and Clint basically telling her no at, at, at every mm-hmm. turn, this is like the typical action movie slash show type yeah. of, it has so many of those tropes and so many of those cliches that I don't think anybody should be really taking it um, in the way as in you're like really expecting um, more than what they're what they're giving you, and I and some and and especially sometimes as when we interact with people in our in our Discord, there is a lot of there is a lot of that per se, and I think you have to judge it a little bit for the way that the writers have presented it to us to this point. Yeah, and, and it's and, been very straightforward. I agree, and I think that there's a lot of interesting stuff going on, and I think it's been complex with the characters in the way that everything goes on. Um, and I think an interesting scene too before we leave the apartment that they're in actually not because then there's the scene after that but where uh, Eleanor talks to Clint at the elevator um, I think that that scene was really kind of integral to have um, where it's Clint knows that he's that he's probably already gone too far with working with Kate and that like he can't it's not like lip service about um, him saying like I'm going to make sure I'm not going to put your daughter in harm's way like he really means it in a way that I think a lot of times in stories like this, the character's like, no, no, no I'm going to keep your kid safe or whatever, and they don't leave me. But like, he knows what it's like to lose someone, um, and I thought that that was interesting. Because even if Eleanor ends up turning bad in some way, shape, or form, obviously the, her fear for Kate is real. Um, I thought that was really uh, a good It is. Out. However, mm-hmm. I also found it interesting that she hit him with the, well, are you going to drop the case too? That, yeah. oh, that for part sure. of it too... And that part of it too was fun because it was almost like it wasn't just using Natasha's name and invoking her name just for Kate's sake. It was invoking it on Clint to please stay out of my way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. She's got um, shit to do. I thought that was an interesting tidbit though, too. Cause like what you're saying is that he's, he understands loss, but you also just get to see like this way darker side to Eleanor, but yes. also you also get to see that she's just, you know, from what we know about Kate Bishop's life in this series, she's a mother that'll do anything to protect her daughter. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. like, and we see that from her cleaning up the messes with, like, the the bell and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So is she actually inherently evil? Maybe not. Maybe she's no, I don't think so. protective of mother, right? Right. Yeah. 
I think that hers. I think she's going to end up being more complicated. Um, and I mean, of course, I mean that's the good thing about uh, storytelling. She can be behind like a crime syndicate and also be a complicated character. Um, and so after that, um, I don't have the plot summary in front of me because I wasn't expecting to do this uh, hostess. So correct me if I miss something. But is it right after that we get the scene with uh, the three of them in the kitchen, or where is or um, does uh, Hawkeye go somewhere else next? I can't remember. Off the top he of my head. texts. He texts uh, Laura. Oh right, checks Laura in about the, the watch. Yes. And Eleanor makes the call to who I assume is Val. Yeah. Uh, to get Yelena on Clint. Yeah, that's a very popular theory. I don't know, Shiv, if you've been scouring the interwebs, but I think that that's probably true. That I've, uh, I've seen like different things, um, but yeah, it, it, most likely for me, I think it is Val as well. Yeah. Um, and so they're talking about the watch, which was a thing a lot of people picked up on because they have a couple insert shots of it. Um, and so he, you know. Uh, reaches out to uh, Laura about, you know, tracking on the watch. And then we get the scene where, uh, you know, uh, Kate and Eleanor and Jack are one big happy family. Um, and this is where he misuses uh, the phrase, what is it? Uh, what, what does he say exactly? Like, um, I know that the one no, is absence, absence makes, makes the, the, heart, makes grow the older. heart grow older. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think you, you kind of feel like uh, he's turning on the charm. And he's not obviously quite winning over Kate, but it is uh you do see but even in, even in that scene you start to see like even she's starting to like feel it for him just the dancing and everything else well like, no, what i was gonna just, say is i think the specific so thing is i don't think that he, she necessarily likes him anymore but i think she can't deny that she is he is making her mother happy in a way that like i think that that's the thing that you they have shots of that and i think that that's what complicates things for her because yeah, like, she even says as such yeah. i've never seen you like that yeah um I also should mention that uh, Hawkeye does take the Ronin sword when he's at the apartment. Um, this is correct. So. He does. I'm, I would say, though, that that scene was weird with the serenading because I was like, is that all it takes to, like, get this woman to be happy? Um, I, that's, uh, yeah, you know, that's not a bad point. Um, I, I really just need to say this tidbit because it, it's been killing me Please. for like the past couple episodes is that um, Vera's eyebrows in this show because mm-hmm. they tinted it to make it the black hair to match with mm-hmm. Haley and B. Kate. Mm-hmm. They're just so aggressive in the show. <laughs> they just stand out so much. And every time she... Because she's such a face actor, though, too. When she, it's it's just like, oh man, that caterpillar black eyebrow, it's really haunting me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and another thing that happens too is well, I believe this happens actually earlier is that um, when uh, Clint is te- actually actually Clint calls Laura about the watch that he texts her about the company they found Sloan Ltd, which they learn is the CEO is Jack. So now they know that Jack is involved in some money laundering at the very least. Um, and then, then we also hear about this on, on this phone call, we hear about the Rolex, uh, being with the tracksuit found by the tracksuit mafia. Um, so, uh, yeah, there's some theories going on about that. Um, should we talk about them now or should we have them later? What's all going on with the watch? Um, I mean, the watch, yeah, the watch thing, I'm not exactly sure because I know somebody, somebody posited the theory that it's a Tony Stark watch and... I could see that, but I'm also wondering what if this watch can open up something, and this is why the tracksuits, aka Fisk, are after it, especially if it's something at the Avengers compound. 
Now, so it's sure. like somebody knows something about something. Do you have any so, theories? I ha I mean, my theory, just based on... I haven't read that many comics with Hawkeye in it, but, like, um, you get to see in this conversation that he has with, with Laura, you see a totally different side of her, right? Mm -hmm. You see that she yeah. has the insides of, like, his superhero life, and, yeah. like, you see her speak German and stuff like that. There's, like, the huge possibility, right, that the watch could be related to her in a way. I, I actually, I'm, I would say I'm above 90% that that's what it is, actually. And I, I think that it's possible that she could be Mockingbird. Yeah, um, yeah that's but, the one that's run, that's going around. Um, and that's just, and we've seen Mockingbird in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, but it wasn't necessarily that they said it was Mockingbird. That was, you know, a character that had like the likeness of her. Um, but that would be so fucking dope if, uh, and the important thing too, is that, uh, agents of shield is, uh, what we in the biz called not canon. So they can do whatever they want with Mockingbird. Yeah, exactly. So if, and you know, Mockingbird and, you know, Hawkeye in the comics, they, you know, they do have like their romance and stuff like that. So it's totally possible that we see that. Um, and just because someone so much of the storyline is clint and his family i see this watch be and like being related to his family right and yeah. then the parallel is that um maya also everything is related to her family mm -hmm. right so yeah um that's where i'm going with it because i want to correct you ac on one thing you said you said that the tracksuits want this watch we don't know that at all we know that maya has it and she wants it and what she wants is not the same thing. I think that she wants it because maybe it can t somehow get the location. It, the watch is near a list of Hawkeye's family members. And if the watch somehow connects back to whoever had it, if the person who had it is Laura, then ha perhaps That's the watch can get her into, mm -hmm. like, I think that it's very notable that it's not that the Traction Mafia has it. It's that she has it in her apartment. Now, obviously, it still could be that Wilson Fix sponsored it for whatever right. reason. But I think that it is, like, it's not an accident that it's not in, like, a Traction Mafia compound. It is in Maya Lopez's ap uh, apartment. Um, so exactly. are we like you guys are a hundred percent that Fisk is uncle then, right? Yes, because oh, I yeah. recognize Vincent D'Onofrio's voice, and he makes a cameo in episode three when when there's the bit at the like martial arts studio at the when, dojo. Yeah, yeah, that that is that is Vincent D'Onofrio's voice. I need to voice. go back and watch that then. Yeah, episode. I'm get. I'm gonna guess that Fisk shows up uh, this upcoming week because they wanted to do the whole. And this is part of lining it up with Spider-Man No Way Home and uh, Matt Murdock's reappearance uh, in, yeah. in, in the proceedings. So I'm suspecting that we will see Fisk at uh, Fisk next week. And I also think that part of – one of the reasons I think that the watch relates to Laura is because I think that – I think they've tried in a lot of ways and sometimes it's been ham-handed and not worked so well. But I think a lot in recent years, Marvel has tried to give more agency to the – wife characters of a lot of the superheroes and i think that having like linda carlini come back for this i feel like there's a way that they kind of want to give her more to do than just answer the phone and like i think that they're kind of conscious they're more they're not perfect but i think that they're more conscious of it than they used to be of like let's just not have this actress just answer the phone and you know do nothing i think they want to get also and also it makes sense because it's like where the hell is clint barton super spy meeting girls you know what i mean <laughs> like where is he but also like we need right. more linda carlini you're not t you're telling I mean me it's Linda. I just oh, I love Linda. It's really cool that they it's really cool that they added this layer to her character. I think it not only gives it gives more color to her obviously, but it gives more color to Clint and everything that he's and this is a reason why he has this person that he can trust so implicitly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
um, it, it, I think it's really cool for him. So I, I want to see more of that uh, as we continue. But it also like shows you that he can't. He's not an average guy. He's not, yeah, like he doesn't have superpowers. But like even his partner, if this is the route that they go, has to be somebody that has you know an extraordinary life to an extent, right? To have yeah. for him to have normalcy. So yeah, I, exactly. I, I think that that's. I think there's they're going to explore that more, obviously. But before we get to do that, we have a scene which I think is both very fun and then very good on a serious level where um, because Clint is going to miss another day for Christmas, uh, Kate brings by uh, holiday movies to watch um, and to celebrate with him uh, at her aunt's apartment. Um, and, you know, they have a lot of fun stuff about talking about splitting arrows and, you know, doing tricks with coins and stuff. Um, you know, I felt like this was a very uh, – I liked that at – that he was sincerely enjoying this, and it, well, he kind of lost the veneer of, like, a kid, I don't know. Like, I think, I like that he was like, yeah, I do need this. I do need, you know, some Christmas cheer. Because um, we all need Christmas cheer, you know, unless you're the Grinch. Yeah, just the simplicity of, just the simplicity of Clint saying, I appreciate you doing this, mm -hmm. uh, I think really stood out. And this mm -hmm. is where the MCU does a really good job in terms of its storytelling, where characters outside of the fighting when you get to sit alone with them and have these moments you get to kind of see the insides of them and who they are um, and Clint as he's not only you know teaching Kate the, the the trick with the coin you see he's he's really he's a father figure he's mm -hmm. a protector he's a he's a leader he's somebody who does have empathy in his own way for for people he looks out for people even when at times others tell him that they don't deserve it um i mean you could even you could see that with wanda from before in mm -hmm. age of ultron and civil war and you see it with nad as we get the stories from both of their perspectives her and the avengers when she has a conversation with loki and it comes back here which and that's where that linear storytelling that the MCU has, where they get into these conversations, and you get back to those moments, you get to see why, you know, not only us but people are just such fans of it because they do such a good job of those moments and handling them with not only care but stuff that's realistic, mm -hmm. stuff that's real life. Yeah, because this all comes up because she asks, "What's the best shot you ever took?" and he completely changes the tone in the room and says the best shot was the shot I didn't take and he immediately regrets saying that because he doesn't want to tell the story but as you mentioned the story is of how he didn't kill uh, uh, Natasha and they kind of have a um, a hard heart about that and this is where what I think that a lot of people were you know frustrated with the Ronin the way that the Ronin reveal was happening with different characters but I think even I said that and I, I don't think I was the only one that like it's Clint is not going to tell Kate that he was Ronan. She's gonna figure it out, and I do. I really did like that. That's what it was because I think that was as it was a great moment for him. But I also think it was a great moment for her that she's not some rube who you know just looks up to him willy nilly. Like she kind of is like, uh, it was obvious, you know. And um, I thought that that was uh, a really nice moment for both of them because she's losing her innocence of her hero being a bad guy, and then he is even more so just like, you know, having to face that's the one probably his biggest fan in the world. Now, even she sees him now for the monster that he thinks he is. Um, uh, Shiv, how did you feel like that? I think this has obviously been like the emotional centerpiece of the show thus far. How do you think that that played out? Um, that was a great scene. There, it's 
the thing about these Disney uh, these Disney Plus series do really well is they they really do dive into that complexity like the AC was like talking about is that you can hold both admiration for this person and also realize that you're scared of them right mm-hmm. so like um, to an extent like you see that with Kate and then but you can also see that with you know with Clint he can be sad but also understands that like he needed to do that in that moment right Mm -hmm. like he and then you can also see grief in different ways he's grieving natasha but he's also like grieving that side of him that he Mm -hmm. hates right Mm -hmm. like he has to 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 deal with that and there was just so much and and then this scene also it sets up a parallel that we see at the end of the episode um and it's 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 just a good scene all around and more than anything like i really loved all of everything that happened in this apartment scene together because like one we started off with like him being you know icing himself with like the packets of Mm -hmm. you know margaritas or whatever um (laughs) and it was like a really real moment because i'm anyone that listens and is over 30 like when you get off work and you really just need to sit down and like lay back (laughs) ac has (laughs) like one of those uh convenience store ice machines in his house he's got to ice his back so much oh Uh my goodness yeah (laughs) But a couple of herniated discs will do that to you. It's, <laughs> you get to see really that it's like someone at the end of the career and someone at the start of their career, right? Which is, yeah. and it is, it's so interesting to watch. Um, and I just love everything. I love the back and forth, the banter. I just love an episode where the actors get to act though too mm-hmm. in Marvel yeah. situations. And was, this is yeah. what we got. Because I think Marvel... I don't think it's their number one best quality, but I would say in the top three is that they cast very, 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 very well and that they know that the thing that, especially in these big budget movies where you're not going to have, you might not have a ton of very deep screen time with characters, the people you cast are going to be characterizing the character as much as anything on the page, you know, um, that uh, you, you the, the casting is as important as anything you write and that when you cast actors who are really talented and dynamic but also have... They obviously aren't playing themselves, but have qualities to them that you want to express in the character. Then you're able to have scenes like this without needing a, like a long history between these characters. Just like you know, th- this quiet reservedness that Jimmy Renner clearly possesses, and then this eagerness and like kind of bubbliness that Haley Steinfeld clearly possesses. That they're able to harness those things because those are kind of intrinsic to them as people, and so you you immediately buy that these are who the characters are. Um, but I thought the most interesting thing to me about the scene was how quickly. How, like, she was started off disappointed in him for being Ronan, and how he, unlike so many times when, like, a person who's idolized, their fan finds out something bad they did, they're, like, embarrassed and, like, all that, and he obviously is embarrassed, but he is so deeply ashamed about it himself already, where, like, there's nothing, her disappointment is not gonna make him feel worse, because he literally can't, and so it ends yeah. up with her basically trying to convince him that he's not that bad of a person, when you think of it the other way around. You would think he'd be like, yeah, I did that because this and this and this, but no, she ends up being the one to do that, and I think that that says everything you know about these characters, because it's not, this is not, well, I think Hawkeye might redeem himself in some ways around this, he in no way sees this as an arc of redemption because he doesn't think he'd be redeemed. And I think that that really is like, that's why I don't have as much of a problem with them kind of making him a lead character, even though he did all these horrible things. Because it's not like he, it's not like he's like saying, I'm still a good person, even though I did all these bad things. He's like, no, I'm a really bad person. And I actually don't, I'm not looking for forgiveness because I don't deserve it, you know? Uh, Yeah, he was ready to off himself in Endgame. I think people got to remember that. Like him and Natasha literally fought over who was dying. Mm -hmm. And they were both trying to sacrifice themselves in that instance. 
And I think that part, that part of the story informs Clinton now. Clinton has survivor's guilt. Mm -hmm. He he wanted to be the one to to make up for all of the things that he did in that instance. And now he has to live with it after the fact. So you see, as I was saying earlier, this episode is Kate is slowly bringing him back mm -hmm. to a sense of humanity, a sense of purpose in that type of way. And it is interesting seeing all of him having the flashbacks after the fact when mm -hmm. when they say their good nights and still dealing with that stuff because that stuff doesn't go away. The Ronin stuff doesn't go away. Losing Natasha in the manner that he did doesn't go away either. And I think that is a great way to kind of see how, hey, this person, regardless of what you may think of them, they are a human being too. They go through whatever they're going through in that instance. So again, the, the episode was great in that aspect. Yeah. Which is really interesting though that you bring that up, AC, because like we we watched WandaVision all like collectively, right? And like thought like that show is all about grief, but you're seeing like grief is just like a, it's a thing that everyone will experience and every character experiences, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. we're just seeing like a totally different side of in it. In particular around an 100%. event like the blip that like, I think that it is this thing that Howard talked about, and I think he was spot on about, is that if the stuff post Endgame wasn't heavily influenced by the emotional toll of Endgame happening, then Endgame loses its power. And so I think it, it's actually important for the Marvel universe as it goes on that, yeah, everyone who is involved in Endgame should be dealing with a lot of shit because it was like a big thing. Um, and so after that, you know, they kind of they you know, end up. She's disappointed, but they end up at like a kind of weird place, but there's a problem that they need to solve in terms of, you know, keep fighting this fight. He's he's out of trick arrows. All of his trick arrows are gone. Um, which I do love they just call them trick arrows, uh, that there's not, like, another term. <laughs> They're just trick arrows. Um, right. But once again, AC, who's got the arrows? Who who, who we got to meet again? Shout out to the LARPers. We see them the once more. Yep. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I really like them revisiting that because i actually thought in episode two that was a really fun scene to kind of get clint to lighten up a little bit yeah and and getting that more this time with kate and mm -hmm. she's totally all for it and she leans into it that was even more fun too so i so also I think really it's that. i don't know they don't actually like highlight this but i think it's a very interesting thing to add to contrast kate who actually wants to be out there in the fight and be a hero, and people who pretend that they're the hero, but they actually aren't doing anything. You know? And obviously there's nothing wrong with being I mean, I would much rather be a LARPer than someone who's actually fighting battles. But, like, I think that they probably won't verbalize it, but this show is kind of about Kate deciding, does she want to be a real hero who puts her life on the line, or does she just want to feel like it like the LARPers do? You know what I mean? Mm. Um, that's kind of what's going on. Uh, but, yeah, they have... Because one of the cops, one of the people there is a cop, um, and uh, she apparently has access. They're, they basically ask her to do some evidence tampering. Um, to commit, she uh, straight out says it, which is hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> I do like that because it is kind of like because ultimately, I, I I always like to think literally about what's going on but then also think what would it be like in a world that this happened and if the avengers did actually save the world and one of them asked me to commit a crime i'd be like yeah yes yes you're an avenger yeah yes i'll i'll <laughs> commit a misdemeanor for you like that's actually that's light work you saved the world um but uh i also do think it's kind of funny it's rem reminiscent of the falcon scene in falcon Winter soldier of him not being able to get a bank loan it's like Hawkeye can't get a special exemption for getting his arrows back, really? <laughs> but she's just like, wa Kate is like just walking through <laughs> Central Park 
mm-hmm. with a huge ass be- uh, like bow and arrows and a dog yeah. and nobody's like you know that's not normal in a trench coat I'm, i'll be honest with <laughs> you though honestly in new york yeah i don't i'm sorry there's almost nothing you could see in New York. Easily talk back up on this. Really, That's a, yeah, he is right about. There's that. real. I'm trying to think of like the. I'm trying to think of the things I've seen in New York that actually made me think about what was going on. And really, short of the time I saw a guy pull down his pants and take a poop on the sidewalk, I genuinely don't see, think there's been. See, that's not uncommon here in the Bay. That's true. <laughs> I, I, but I guess, like, yes, with people with, like, weird shit, like, I remember, I've seen, like, people walk down the street and, like, scream masks on, like, July 3rd, you know? Like, it just, you don't, it just, it's New York, baby. It's, uh... <laughs> it's um, the Mecca. Yeah, it, I, tr- like, truly, if I saw Kate Bishop like that with a bow and arrow, I would honestly just be like, she's, go. there must be some arrow shooting competition in Central Park somewhere. Like, I wouldn't think two seconds about it. Um, but... So yeah, they, uh, she then ends up inviting all of them, uh, over to the apartment, um, to have a little soiree, because she's very much enjoying their company. Um, they seem like nice enough people. Um, I thought it was their apartment. Oh, you're, honestly, I think you're right, actually. I, as I was saying it, I realized, yes. They go over to the other apartment. I just remember there was, like, Dungeons and Dragon posters you're all right. over yeah, the yeah. wall, you're and right. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, someone else's apartment. I feel like this is, you know, probably a good hang. Um, yeah, and she's really loving it. And most, I think that this is another way of highlighting like she's getting along a lot with the fake heroes that the people who just like pretending they're heroes you know um which is interesting. yeah i really enjoyed it um because i and like that scene was like perfect though because they were talking about the costumes though right because we mm. we have yet to see like the great costumes that hawkeye mm. has but um i thought it was so funny because everything i've experienced with like fans and everything in the cosplay world and larpers they go all out for those costumes. Mm-hmm. And, like, as someone who works in, like, development and story, the way they build costumes out of, like, fucking nothing and, like, you know, going to their, <laughs> like, local Joann's for some fabric and stuff, I'm just, like, oh, my gosh. The way that they included that, it's, like, I'm sure everyone from, like, the Marvel, um, you know, side of things have seen so many wild costumes out there. Yeah. And the thing is, you and you really have to support them, too, because... I, in this day and age with Amazon, Joanne Fabrics would not be still in business if it weren't for the LARPers and the cosplayers. So, um, man, am I wrong? It's like every Joanne Fabric has like the same kind of smell and vibe that's kind of just like makes you feel like you're at like, at least for me, like my grandma's house. Uh, anyway, um, but uh, it just has like a I, very. I just know that I always liked the, the, you know, the table that you can measure out. Like fabric, oh, for some right. reason, I was always just super into that table. You know what? Nothing, but I think the smell is just like all the fake plants that are always up at the front. Um, Shouts to Joanne Fabrics. Uh, hope you're still doing well. Hope you made it through the pandemic. But, um, yeah, so Hawkeye, Clint shows back up, and, you know, Kate's trying to get him to... He's trying to get the person who makes the costumes to make costumes for her and Clint. And he's obviously not super, you know... He doesn't care that much about that. Just uh, do it, bro. No, he didn't need a costume. Um, but the arrows end up showing up, and there's a little bit of a... I assume this might come up next episode. A bit of a argument about what bag to take because the arrows are in a bag that was given to the police officer by her wife um but uh i don't know why they didn't just like find a plastic bag underneath the sink or something like that and throw them in there um but... i thought that whole scene like that whole tidbit was like super weird i was like this is just like was this a comedic thing that they were trying to do because i was like yeah just find a random ass bag and throw them in there yeah, and walk like... around with them <laughs> yeah i, I thought yeah, the, the, that's what you got the quivers for yeah i thought that it was going to come up in like the final battle that like it got, like, thrown off something and, like, you know, they're setting up a scene where, you know, they had to apologize. You know what I mean? Like, something like that where mm-hmm. they – but it's it's not even like you saw shots of it in the battle or whatever. 
Um, so I'm wondering where that's going to come up. But speaking of said battle, they head out. They're going because they have they traced the watch to an apartment, uh, and they're sc- scoping it out um, from across the street. And uh, someone's got to go inside. And, of course, it'll be Clint. Real teamwork here. Because Clint is the more experienced one, so obviously he's the one who'll go inside. Oh, what? what is that? Uh, Kate is already running inside. Yeah, it does it completely differently than Clint would have. Clint was giving her instructions to use a grappling arrow and scale the, the apartment building. She just walks in the front door and helps an old man out with his bags. Yeah. Uh, that honestly <laughs> would work. I, I, I think that that's probably the safe right i mean you want to be unnoticed why would on earth would you use a grappling arrow <laughs> you know uh, they're on the street um <laughs> but i do think it was funny when she's in the elevator and it's like i'm talking to an avenger and he's like i can take the bags <laughs> i would have said the same exact thing i was totally with kate there too i would have been like i would have had the same plucky attitude mm-hmm. yeah i mean that's why that's why you call you uh, ac the plucky no <laughs> no one calls you that <laughs> Um, no, you need to help the bags. There's a two herniated disc you just mentioned. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, no, got, I, I got it out. Yeah, I do, I do think it's funny though how she even like it's like you're the fact that you're you don't act like an adult lets you get away with stuff. I do think that that's funny, and it's obviously that she's gonna have to learn. Uh, it's gonna stop being funny at some point. But she gets into the apartment and uh, one nice place, you know, good good look, uh, good spacious place. But uh, some lights start flashing. And uh, I, I did any of you guys know what this? I, I assume it was some type of alarm, but I didn't make the connection immediately. Yeah, I did because it's like obviously once you realize it doesn't make any sound, I'm like, okay, this is a definitely and mm. and this is definitely Echo's apartment. So yeah, I knew she was gonna show up. Yeah, um, and I've had, I've had experience with it actually um, from working just like in disability matters. Um, mm. So it's, it's actually really cool to see inv- like included in the t- like the little tidbits. Um, you know, like disability justice that are just mm-hmm. thrown in because of um, Maya's character. Yeah. Um, I really wish they would have showcased the thing that I am fascinated with is the alarm that they make for deaf people that vibrates your bed. I don't know how they would have fit that in the show, but I do have a fan of that as a concept. It's just funny to me. Uh, but uh, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> uh, she uses like those like sponge arrows to like the goop arrows to try to cover them mm-hmm. up, but it's obviously too late. But she doesn't know that. And she finds the watch and she finds a list of Clint's family members which is obviously bad news. Um, unless you're like doing Christmas shopping, it's never good to see a list of people's family members in like a random person's nope. house. Uh, but she t- tries to talk to Clint over the, 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 the speaker, I mean over the headset, and uh, Clint is busy. But oh, yes. Clint's busy, then who is that? Oh, well, you know, there's, there's a whole confusion where uh, AC, talk, talk to me a little about what's going on. Because I, I do like the way they do this, but I kind of fake you out twice. Yeah, they do because Clint says it's it's Maya, and then obviously Kate's like, "No, Maya's here, mm-hmm. uh, fighting with her." And then what we see is what turns out to be Elena in her comic accurate uh, Black Widow costume with the with the mask with the with the little green eyes thing mm-hmm. there, which was uh, really fun to see. Um, this this fight scene was very very fun. It, there was a little bit of a WWE aspect to it where it, it turns from like a tag team match to like a fatal four way mm-hmm. type of thing. So seeing all of them go back and forth a little bit was really fun. Uh, once Kate gets away from Echo briefly and then Clint tries to zip line her through and then she gets stuck in the middle was like classic comedy. That's I really, crazy. really, really, especially because they moment. set it up by joking about how the building is like the same height as the other one. You know what I mean? That they, they kind right. of set up that that is an idea. Um, 
But yeah, uh, how did you feel that this whole, like, the fight scene between these, the two different fight scenes that became one played out, uh, Shiv, particularly in the context of the other, like, you know, TV shows we've had? I I actually, okay, so this fight scene was really interesting to me because at first um, I couldn't necessarily get a hold on, like, who um, who was fighting Clint. Mm-hmm. And then, because um, it goes so fast, yeah. right? Like, you, and then it just, it switches between, um you know, Kate and Clint so many times. Um, but I, re- I don't know. I thought that this was a, it, it, it served its purpose. If, if anything, um, I, I truly had no idea that it was Yelena until, mm-hmm. uh, until like the actual, uh, taking off. Yeah. <laughs> I do think it's funny that somehow Clint thought that it was Maya, and it's like Maya is a full foot taller than Yelena. What the hell is wrong with you? What do you, you, what do you mean? You think, uh, I'm sure he got blindsided, but still. I, I, but I do think that your point uh, through the lens of WWE is right, which I thought was fun about it, is that it isn't as simple as a uh, two on two or whatever, that like there is kind of confusion particularly with Maya about what's going on with this other person who's trying to kill uh, Clint. Um, but yeah, I thought that there was some interesting stuff going on. I think to start off, it was a little bit confusing of the way it was intercutting, but I feel like once all four of them got on the roof, I thought that there were some interesting ideas. And that's all the really I'm asking for in fight scenes like this, is to have fun moments in it, you know, that uh, are notable and that, you know, you stay in your mind. Um, because I think... You know, within these this day and age, you can just choreograph a simple hand-to-head combat scene oh, yeah. that lasts for like a minute, and it looks like every other hand-to-head combat scene you've ever seen in your life. And obviously, this wasn't the best scene I've ever seen, but there were moments that I remembered. Specifically, as you alluded to earlier, AC, the shot that uh, Kate doesn't take. Right, right. And Shiv mentioned this earlier in the episode, and the parallels. Um, oh, wait, Shiv, were you going to mention that? Oh, no, AC, you mentioned yeah, on Twitter. AC, yeah. sorry, AC, you mentioned on Twitter earlier today, and Shiv, you mentioned earlier in the podcast. So you yeah, both yeah. mentioned it. I was the only one who did not mention it. There's actually, <laughs> there's two parallels yeah. in this scene, right? Right. Um, we see the one with, you know, obviously Clint and Natasha between Yelena and Kate, but then we also see the parallel of Kate hanging, right? Yeah. Um, so like, it's, it's very interesting, very, very lovely cinematography by those, you know, fine folks at oh, Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, they know what they're yeah, doing. I, yeah, absolutely. I, I really love that. Like the, just the fear in Clint's eyes when he sees Kate go over, mm-hmm. over the roof mm-hmm. and then like, it just puts that fear of God and it just reminds him of what he lost with Natasha and how he doesn't want to go through that again. I think that was Really good point there. Echo taking the arrows like a champ, taking the widow's bite like a champ. She's just coming. She's just coming at them. And then mm-hmm. she also knew, let me make this exit before yeah. because this seems like a little more personal than yeah. than just a normal fight for Great a watch. She's like two people have arrows. One of them has like some type of electroshock thing. I got hands. I'll, I'll this could wait. I can just dip. This is not. Uh, I'll live to fight another day. That, that's here. that's I, an underrated thing when it comes to superheroes, just knowing when to leave. <laughs> um, she just straight up ripped off the stuff though from her, and I'm like thinking the amount of brute force and power you have to just like rip mm-hmm. off the mechan- you know mm-hmm. mechanisms from you. That's yeah. Though, I believe the, are they, the widow's bite. I believe is what they're called. Which yeah. I didn't. Yes. I don't think I knew that until I read the script for the Avengers, in which they're called that. Um, but, uh, 
Yeah, the fight obviously gets more personal. Um, Kate is using like a shotwave arrow when she gets back up on uh, the roof. Yeah. And uh, one, I just got to mention, you know, most buildings in New York, they don't let you on the roof, so the landlord's got to be pissed that, you know, the cops can call. <laughs> For um, sure. <laughs> yeah, but she's the shockwave arrow, which I think was really cool. And then, like I, like we alluded to, the shot that she doesn't take on when we see Elena revealed, the great Florence Pugh, uh, Flo Pugh, some people call her. Uh, how did how did you feel seeing her? I mean, I knew she was gonna. I knew I already knew it was her by the time she was there, just because I knew she was in the series. And I'm like, who else is like five foot one and really good at fighting? Mm-hmm. Um, but I I'm so glad to see her. Huge fan. Um, I just think that she is. I think that she is gonna give an energy to the show that like they kind of need. You know, I, I I let the thing I was talking about actually on the Discord is I'm actually interested to see her in the show because we know what her intentions are. Like we kind of know what her intentions are, what she believes, what she's doing, and I think that that always makes for an interesting thing when the main characters of the show are trying to figure that out because we don't know mm-hmm. what Clint thinks she's doing. Therefore, and also right. more importantly, we don't know. Well, Clint doesn't know that Yelena was Natasha's sister because right. they were strangers the whole time that they were that Clint and Natasha knew each other. So. I think that that's going to be very fascinating. That Clint probably just thinks that someone sent an assassin to kill him. And while that is true, he has no idea that the assassin is the sister of, you know, his best friend. And that, I think, I'm so excited to see how that plays out. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah that's, that. over the next two episodes, that I'm looking forward to that a lot. Because there's going to definitely be some hands thrown before there's even a conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love, and because of the Black Widow film, Florence Pugh's character, Yelena, we got so we got a great introduction, we got a great backstory, and we we know who she is. So so she didn't even have to say anything for her appearance to just matter that much, and it really did. And I love that aspect of having that again that linear storytelling with the stuff with Val that we got not too long ago. So uh, yeah, I'm very excited to see where that where that goes uh, with her and Clint. Like they already showed a little bit in in the teaser for next week that whether it's next episode or the sixth episode, the, this clash is gonna come right back. Mm-hmm. Her and Clint going at it, so this should be yeah. fun. Um, and and the thing and is, her and Kate yeah. is more interesting too. And we've talked about how this show has let the actors kind of be themselves. So obviously, we know that this is gonna end with uh, Yelena making um, Clint marmalade on IG Live. So that's really exciting to see. Um, once I reference it all the time, but guys, if you have not watched Florence Pugh's cute cooking videos on Instagram, have you watched them show before? No, but I do remember you mentioning them in several. I I understand. I I understand that I've mentioned several times, but I cannot emphasize it when people are like, "Why are you so excited about her being those movies?" It's like because I don't care about marmalade, and I've watched eight hour. I mean, eight minutes of this girl talking about making it. Um, So anyway, she's making you a regular Paddington over here. Well, I mean, that's part of that. That was part of the reason, you know, because apparently Grandma made marmalade growing up, and then she was kind of inspired because of Paddington. Um, But anyway, uh, so. That's kind of where the episode leaves off with, you know, the reveal of her face. Um, one thing I do wish I wish that there was, um, I wish there was some type of like music sound, a sound that they played, kind of like what they do in the Winter Soldier when Bucky's face is revealed. You know what I mean? I feel like that'd be more powerful. Yeah. Oh, so it's like haunting almost to an extent. Yeah, I, I would want like some type of like boom, but like a unique sound because uh, whenever you can have a sound associated with a character, now that's filmmaking. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I thought this episode ended really, really fucking well. I'm so excited for next week. I don't know about you guys, but... 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the the spec, the spec. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Ship. I'll let you go first. Oh, I was just going to say, like, Marvel Disney Plus series, that episode four, it's always strong and it always, you know, gives us so much more, right? So, Mm -hmm. um, WandaVision did it it that way. I think Winter Soldier had a good episode four, right? The John Walker Um, killing. Yeah. 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 And then, so this is, you know, where we got a great episode four and we, Mm -hmm. we got to dive deep deeper into the characters so yeah. it's exciting and now they can go back to action i guess that we got yeah. to see them act mm-hmm. yeah exactly. yeah for sure and i think something that jake mentioned in the discord and i tend to agree with him on this is even though there's a list of a lot of things that this show has to uh not necessarily wrap up but address in the next two episodes i think if a couple of certain things happen then multiple things will be addressed at the same time and I'm kind of looking forward to seeing those threads uh, being pulled. Uh, obviously, Jack and Eleanor, I find them so interesting. I want to see who they actually are and what their true nature is. Uh, the specter of Fisk, his relationship with with Maya, that is, that's going to be very important because that carries them to to the Echo series, where that, where that comes from. What is Fisk's true motivations with not only what he's trying to do, but with her, because that relationship's gonna matter. And then whenever Daredevil gets involved, how he figures in as well. So you have that and, you know, Clint and Kate trying to get to a place where they are actually partners and Clint accepts Mm -hmm. that part of his humanity and goes through that. And Clint just has a lot of people after him right now. So so that that on its own is, is a fun setup for the last two episodes next week in the mcu is going to be quite quite the eventful yep. week yep 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 uh shiv yeah how are you uh you know we were talking i just it's just gonna be the biggest week i mean i i feel like such a a bad <laughs> marvel fan because i haven't gotten tickets yet i gave up because it was the night that it happened i was on there trying to get tickets and it kept shutting down on me yeah. so i just said you know what I'm going to go to a matinee show. I was telling you this earlier, Jake, like that. I'm just going to go on a random matinee show and hope I get to see it. I'm sure you'll be able to. (laughs) I I think that because what I found is I didn't even bother getting up the night of. I think that a lot of that obviously while tons and tons of tickets were being bought, I think most of the problems were just server issues as opposed to too many people. It was just so many people attacking it at that time. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't like they're actually running out of tickets that night, but uh yeah obviously as everyone knows biggest pre-sale since uh endgame so uh crazy stuff but uh, i mean that's the thing like i was able just to you know just to let shiv know like i was able to switch the day i was going i was going friday and i'm going thursday and thursday afternoon also if you're going alone the thing you're like i for example when dune came out i that, that, that friday I was like, I want to see Dune in IMAX. And I'm like, well, if I'm going to see an IMAX, I might as well go to the largest IMAX screen on the Eastern Seaboard, which is at Lincoln Center. And there was like three seats left. But since it was just me, I was able to just... So I, you, I, you, since it's just you, there might be some open one seats, you know? Like you don't, if you're not going with anyone else, then I think that, that you might have... Yeah, especially life. decent seats too. You're not going to be stuck in the front. Yeah. At um, least that's for what I saw because I looked at multiple theaters before I made my yeah. ultimate decision. On going changing. to movies alone... Uh, it definitely uh, helps get your chances of seeing getting a ticket. Um, but anyway, uh, we'll talk about that next week. We'll have two pods next week, obviously. Actually, well, not, not next week. We'll have a pod for Hawkeye, episode five next week, and then uh, we will have our Spider-Man pod up the Tuesday after that. 
Um, so uh, you know, just it's very exciting. Uh, we in times. the mix, man. It's a lot of it's a lot of stuff happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got our Netflix boys coming back next week. Very excited for that. Yes. And uh, this show, Hawkeye, is doing some really fun things. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to seeing how they close this out in the next two. And then, yeah, the big event. It's, it's the event of the year in terms of yep. being an MCU fan, more than, yep. more so than anything else. My goodness. Uh-huh. And we'll talk about that, like I said. But I mostly want to thank Shivani Banfall. Shiv, yes. thank you for coming on. Where can people follow you? We see what you're up to. Um, at Shivani Banfall, um, a big thing for me this uh, this month is on December 29th. We have yes. the Book of Boba Fett coming out. So yes. Yeah, we got to talk about that. end up watching that, <laughs> like, and maybe, yeah, maybe we pot about it. But uh, we're, if, I think we'll do something with Patreon. I don't know, maybe not episode by episode, but we'll do something for Patreon about, uh, maybe, maybe one thing for the main, because we did The Mandalorian during the downtime last time. Uh, yeah, man, I'm fucking. Pumped. Yeah, I told Shiv I want to check in with her on Boba Fett. I, I, I'm, I'm very excited. For I just whenever I think about it, I just think of the mounted camera shots on his stick in that one episode that Robert Rodriguez directed, and I just am like truly the feeling I have is the feeling when I like smell good food, like I just salivate, like oh my god, it's the coolest <laughs> shit in the world. Then you you will be excited then. I I know I I'm because I'm sure that that's what's gonna be. I've never once been like you know what Robert Rodriguez is really gonna stand himself down style wise, but like, that's never been a thought I had. So I'm really excited to see it. <laughs> um, but uh, hey. yeah, so that's gonna be fucking great. Uh, AC, uh, where can people find you? Oh well, you can follow me on Twitter at Anthony Canton underscore three. Just. I mean, Jake's going to go through it in a second, but we have a lot of stuff on deck, so stay yep. tuned for that. And you can follow me at the Jake Christie, uh, and yeah, follow the show at MC University Pod and the Patreon. We're going to be, you know, like I said, pro- probably just something for Book of Boba Fett on there. We're going to be doing, um, with Spider-Man, uh, this is the first time I announced this, that we will be doing, we're not sure exactly the day, but uh, the week after it, we're going to be having a, like, Discord chat where we talk to everyone on the Discord about it, have, like, a hangout just discuss it with everyone rather than doing a mailbag we figured you know might as well uh you know have an open conversation where people uh can we can just open it up and we'll probably post that to patreon too um but yeah just mc university sorry patreon.com slash mc university pod uh got a lot of great things going on and we'll be talking about spider-man on the discord the moment any of us see it just because obviously you can't talk about it on twitter because of spoilers etc which is perfectly understandable but i think that there should be a place where if you see it on thursday you should be able to talk about it on thursday and that will yep. be the no way home channel on our discord so if you're interested in that three dollars gets you in the discord five dollars gets you immediate access to all the episodes so yep just uh check that out but for shivani banfall for anthony kendall the third for jerome chang who once again is on assignment you know there's nothing you can do about it free black dragon roll free, free black dragon roll always and forever i've been jay christie talk to you next week